This morning our scripture reading comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. Hear now the word of God. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying Amen praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. Then he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, my wife had the pleasure of having to get an echocardiogram. Now, if you choose a test, she has assured me this is the one. We've had others, but this was the most interesting. They hook you up to the probes and they turn it on, and when you look, you can actually see your heart open and close. Open and close. Open and close. And close. Its only job is to open and close. Your heart does not get to have hobbies or union breaks. It doesn't get to take a day off. We know where that leaves us. It just has to open and close seven days a week, 24 hours a day, just this one routine. It's a muscle designed just to open and close. It can't even decide to do something else. Whatever the body does, Whether we do things that are good for the heart or bad, whether we protect it or abuse it, the heart is just along for the ride. Open and close. Open and close. Your heart can't even come to church unless you bring it. I remember watching her heart open and close, and it was memorizing, and I found myself feeling very human. I felt how close we really are to death. How close life and death are. Watching it, I suddenly realized how little would have to go wrong. Just for that to stop. Just for that open and close to stop. That everything we do, all our plans and ambitions depend on this one little process. That as hard as I may try to help my wife, to protect her, to give her joy, that none of it matters if her heart just decides to stop. And I started to get this anxiety. Has anyone been here? Has anyone had this test? And you're, you're watching it, and you find this anxiety like, what if it stops? And you start encouraging it. Keep going. <laughs> Open. Close. Nice one, heart. Open. Close. Keep it up. You've got this. 
It was frustrating watching it completely out of control because she was having this test. Obviously, they were nervous that something was wrong, so I'm staring at her heart, opening and closing, unable to do anything except encourage it with my positive energies. In case you were wondering, nothing was wrong with it. Like the rest of her, it just likes to work harder than it should. But I was rooting for it, for that moment, and I remembered that open and close is the difference between my wife coming home, open and close is the difference between me standing here, full of life, preaching this morning, open and close is the difference between you going to lunch with your family and not. Open and close. Open and close. Revelation as a book seems to be otherworldly. It talks of beasts and signs and codes, but if you look carefully, if you read it carefully, it's surprisingly familiar. The Apostle John receives this series of visions from God, visions of what is and what will come. And here he sees this multitude of people, so many they can't be counted, from every corner of life, every corner of the world, speaking every language that has ever been and every language that will be. This huge multitude crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God. And all the angels are standing around the throne shouting as well, Amen! Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen! And one of the elders comes up to John and asks, Who is this multitude in white? And John is feeling a little overwhelmed. He didn't expect a question and answer session when he arrived in heaven. And he replies, Sir, you know. Which I think he either meant in one of two ways. Either, sir, you better know because I just got here and I have no idea what's going on. Or, one of my favorites, the classic question flip. Obviously, I know who this multitude in white is. Obviously, I know. But do you know, sir? Do you know? And the elder knows. The multitude in white, they're the faithful. Those who come through the great tribulation and now are washed white in the blood of Christ shouting, salvation belongs to our God. They're just shouting it and shouting it. Praise and glory and power and strength be to our God again and again. Whenever God's people are mentioned, they're singing or shouting or praising or bowing day and night. Day and night just praising and shouting and bowing. Because Revelation is a book about life. It's a book about what the fullness is of life looks like. Because life depends on this little process. The heart opens and closes. And when it opens, I feel nervous now because Tom's there and doctors. Blood goes flowing out to every part of the body, bringing life and oxygen and everything necessary. The heart opens and blood flows out. And the heart closes and it fills with blood that has been emptied of life and oxygen and it renews it, it refills it, and then it opens again and the blood goes flowing out. It never stops, the body never stops needing everything the heart has, just open and close, open and close, it always needs it. And that's worship. That's worship filled with God who is the source of life, the source of salvation, the source of freedom, open and close. We never stop needing it. There's a cycle 
that describes the Christian life. We're gathered together. God calls us together, calls us into His presence to worship Him. Gathered like the heart draws in blood emptied of nutrients, God calls His creation to Himself. Because we've entered into sin, into distraction, into fear and grief, God calls us in, gathers us in, like we are here. And then gathered together, God fills us. In worship, God pours Himself out onto us and into us and builds up our courage and renews our hope and sharpens our vision and grows humility and convicts our conscience and unites us together into the body of Christ. And then we're sent out. We've been filled and transformed and God sends us out to fill and transform the world with His presence. When the heart has loaded the blood with everything the body needs, the blood doesn't get to stay in the heart. It's expelled. It's pushed out to go, to nourish, until it's empty. And then it returns again. It's an endless cycle. We're gathered together. The blood comes to the heart. We come to the altar. And then we're built up. The heart fills the blood with life. God fills us with the Spirit. And then we're sent out bringing life to the world. Open and closed. Gathered and built up and sent out. Which suggests that our worship of God is the difference between life and death. What if worship is the difference between life and death? Not a physical death, but the death of living without color. Once you've seen color TV, going back to black and white isn't living anymore. And once you've had life with God, the other life isn't living. And worship is the difference between life and abundant life, an overflowing life, a joyful, forgiving, courageous, faithful life, the kind of life we want. It's in God. It comes through worship. Open and close. Open and close. To be candid, it doesn't feel like enough. When you think about just how important the heart is, it doesn't feel like enough. There should be a a redundancy, right? There should be a backup. There should be a second option. But there isn't. It's just the heart. Everything depends on it. And that day, watching my wife's heart open and close, it made me anxious. What if it stops? What if it doesn't work? It's hard to trust worship, isn't it? To trust that here, doing what we do, singing the songs and praying the prayers, confessing the sins, it's hard to trust that this will fill us, that this holds life, that this will give us what we need. It's hard to trust. If I bring God my exhaustion and my shame and my bitterness and my anger and my fear, do I really trust that God will fill them with life? Do you really trust that God will fill you with life? Do you? Bring them to God. Trust it. Bring God your everything. Bring it all to God. Bring God every corner of your life. Trust Him with what is dead. Trust Him with what you love. Worship Him and He will fill it with life. It's the promise of revelation. 
Revelation isn't a dream. It's not an abstraction. It's a vision of the future. In the future when God is revealed in fullness. And in the future when all those who trusted themselves have wasted away, they are gone. The saints still stand. Dressed in robes of white, day and night singing praise, day and night serving, day and night worshiping, open and close, open and close. Look. Look. In this vision, in this vision, all those who followed Christ through tribulation, they are singing. All those who followed Christ into the wilderness, they are singing. All those who doubted and questioned and wondered, they are singing. All those who lost battles to illnesses, they are singing. All those who were lost but now are found, they are singing. Singing in the heavenly choir, worshiping God, open and close. Open and close. It's the image of the church. Of what Christians do best, we praise God. The world may bring what it will, but here we'll find life in and out, open and close. And on this day, I think of how often mothers are the hearts of a family. Emptied for others, pouring themselves out for others, giving everyone else what they need. All that despite how they might be treated. But now at the ripe age of 30, I look back. I remember a time where, uh, how would I say this? I thought my mom did not understand the world. (laughs) And perhaps my tone and my treatment of her reflected that. And yet, like the heart, she kept beating, kept running carpool, kept pouring out praise and affirmation, kept encouraging, kept loving, open and close. This morning it is not enough to honor them, to recognize this act of service. It's not the mother's responsibility to serve alone. The way we honor them, the way we live this, is to emulate them to come to the source of life, to come to God, that we also might be filled and sent out, bringing life open and close, open and close. The doors here, they open and they close. We come in, we are built up, and we are sent out. It's the difference between life and death. What happens here? Worship is the difference between life and death. Let us pray. Lord, you know how often we actually think about our hearts. How often we pause and reflect on how necessary they are. Lord, you know as well how often we forget about worship. We forget to return to you the source of our life, but this morning we do just that and ask that you would pour yourself out upon us. Lord, fill us. Renew us with life, resurrect what is dead, encourage us, resurrect us, and send us out that we might bring your presence into a world in desperate need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.